There was a lot that year that we did as working moms. Like we would fly to LA for meetings. Like I remember when we were trying to find the right production partner to help scale the business for like overseas production. And we flew to LA. We were meeting with this production partner and Kelly's second son was oh, even more he colicky. Was worse. Everyone was first. like, oh, your second will be easier. So as we're in no. this meeting, my daughter is sleeping in like the car seat stroller thing. And like, she's just sleeping in the, co- in the corner of the conference room. Ollie would not stop crying. So I just put him in the ergo and left the meeting and just like walked around the parking lot and then till he calmed down. And so Kelly had to just like run with the meeting and hope that Cora didn't wake up. And then like, I remember I tried to come back into the meeting and the moment I would step my foot in the building, Ollie would wake up and start screaming. So I'm like, okay, I guess I'm just like, Kelly, Kelly's got this meeting. Like, I don't know what to do, but I'm just going to keep Ollie out of the meeting so she can focus. I'm Bridget Garsh, co-founder of Neighbor Schools and your host for Work Like a Mother, a podcast dedicated to real conversations with incredible women juggling work, life, and motherhood. Today, I'm really excited to sit down with Kaylee and Kelly, co-founders of Slumberkins, where they create cuddly creatures and stories that promote early social-emotional learning. Sometimes I feel like I have three children. There's Hudson, who's three, Brooks, who's one, and then I have neighbor schools, which is really still a startup and an all-hands-on-deck, round-the-clock commitment. I guess you could say we're still in the newborn phase. People ask me all the time how I juggle startup life and mom life, and for me, the key is to combine the two as much as possible. Sometimes that looks like Hudson coming to the office back when that is a thing, particularly helpful when we are unpacking and setting up desks. And sometimes that means shifting meetings so I can go for a walk with Brooks on the first day of spring. Being a mom and a founder aren't just jobs to me. They are me. And I know this is what I really want to be doing right now. So needless to say, I felt some strong parallels in sitting down with Kaylee and Kelly to discuss the birth and early years of their kids and their startup, Slumberkins. You can't remove mom from the founding story of Slumberkins. Best friends and behavioral health experts, Kaylee and Kelly, were on maternity leave at the same time and spent a lot of those early months together leaning on each other for all the support that new moms need. And during all those long walks and nap times, they had an idea. What if they created characters and stories to teach social-emotional skills to young children? With a tiny bit of seed money and child care help from Kelly's parents, the two started sewing and Slumberkins was born. What started as a passion project has blossomed into a full-blown world of educational wonder, with sales and success surpassing their wildest dreams and a big-time TV series currently in production. Thank you so much for joining me today on Work Like a Mother. Thank you for having us. We're so excited to be here. I thought it would be great to share how the two of you met and had the idea to start Slumberkins. 
Sure. So my name is Kaylee Christensen. I am a mom of three and the an elementary education teacher and special education teacher behind the brand. And I'm we're doing I this all goes into like how slumber can start it. <laughs> uh, and my name is Kelly Oriard, and I am a family therapist and mom of two. But Kaylee and I have been best friends since we were 14. <laughs> we met in high school. We were the tall uh, tall girls that met at the volleyball tryouts that became instant best friends. Cause we were taller than everybody at school. <laughs> um, and, uh, we sort of went through life's up and ups and downs together since high school. Um, because of our height, we both ended up playing college sports and sort of had similar experiences at different schools. And, um, we're always the kind of best friends that were talking and hanging out all through high school, all through college. And then after college too. So, um, we both, went into different fields within education with a focus in um, children's mental health and wellness. Um, Kaylee is a special ed teacher and elementary ed teacher and me as a therapist. Um, And we, like we do doing things around the same time, we're both ended up being pregnant around the same time and um, ended up on a maternity leave together. Kelly's son happened to be quite colicky, um, which was really, really difficult. And so we found ourselves, uh, I would go, my son was two months old when her son was born. So I would go over there and we'd get out of the house and take the boys on walks and like, just trying to lean on each other as friends on this maternity leave where this was my, um, second son. Um, and so I had, you know, been through the ropes with my first. And so, um, I needed that as yeah. a new mom, I was like, Oh, don't leave me alone. Somebody help me. He won't stop crying. And I remember her showing me how to swaddle him. She's like, Oh, he's just tired and swaddle him. Like, how do you know, how do you even know that he's tired and needs to be swaddled? Like nobody told me about that before. And then of course he like magically went to sleep and I was like, you can't leave me. <laughs> but this sets the stage for like how Slumberkins began because it was on those walks where we live in um, uh, Vancouver, Washington, just North of Portland, Oregon. So we were getting out in nature during the summer and going on these long walks with the boys. And we had a lot of like time to brainstorm and just chat and like think about, uh, you know, we really resonated with the work we were doing in the schools. And we saw kind of the, the stuff happening where we were both were working in the worlds of like mental health and behavioral health in the world of the schools and, you know, really passionate about that. But then also looking at our children and going, Oh, I think that there's probably a better way that when we know as teachers that parents are really the most important teacher for a child's emotional wellness, like what kind of tool could we make that would empower the parents before they get to the schools um, to really kind of plant the seeds of emotional well-being? Um, And that's where Kelly is a therapist. And she also happens to be a natural born poet, (laughs) ended up trying to just write a couple storylines. And we wanted to do more unique creatures that 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 weren't currently like really out there on the market. So our first characters that we dreamt up were Bigfoot and Sloth. And Kelly, I think went home after one of those walks. And then she called me later and was like, I did the stories for them. And it was just like in 10 minutes, they came, they flowed out of her. And our um, Sloth storyline was a progressive muscle relaxation um, written into like a rhyming like story form for kids to help them fall asleep. And then the Bigfoot storyline was really based on like my experience of being six feet tall in sixth grade. and 
like just things being said about my height that made me really insecure. Um, that then the Bigfoot storyline is all about positive affirmations and building a child's self-esteem from the earliest of ages. And so those were kind of the two like main characters and how slumberkins were born. But like at the time we were just two moms and educators that had this idea. We didn't know how to start a business. So we actually were really broke because we were on unpaid maternity leave. So we actually borrowed $200 from Kelly's mom and ended up just trying our hand at sewing. So we, you know, taught ourselves to sew. I remember we went to Kelly's parents' house so that they would like hold our babies while we like sewed for, I think we spent like eight hours in your mom's craft room. Trying to figure out how to sew. It was like the thing that we were doing on maternity leave because we liked to be busy. We needed to get out of the house. Kids were colicky sitting around and listening to Aiden cry was like, I'm not doing that. I need to get going. And like, he's just going to have to adapt and go with me places. So we were all over the place and it was like this really fun, passionate thing that we were doing together and having fun with the kids and um, yeah, just fun all around. Yeah. It became an adventure to like drive around all the fabric stores, (laughs) pick out fabric, go back to Kelly's parents' house, sew some creatures. (laughs) And then we really like, I mean, we tried our hand at like our very first craft fair back in like November, 2015 and had, you know, slumber sloth and Bigfoot and like sold out at the craft fair. So we were like, this is exciting. So we just like took that money and bought more fabric and kept on sewing. And that's really like how Slumberkin started was this like craft fair. And then we put them on Etsy and it was truly like a mom made side hustle because we ended up going back to our jobs as educators, um, after that maternity leave. And we continued with Slumberkins along the way too. And I just remember when we were first dreaming this up, we were like, if we could just make enough money to afford eyelash extensions and a house cleaner, like those are my goals. (laughs) Then we succeeded. Then we did it. They were like the things that we could not rationalize, Mm -hmm. like to afford as educators, like on that budget, you know, that like every mom dreams of is like, Oh, house cleaner and like eyelash extensions. Then I don't have to wear makeup. I can just wake up and my eyelash. I'm just going to like look like put together with my eyelashes and my house is going to be clean. Like this is what I was dreaming of. Yeah. But I mean, that quickly turned into us not knowing what we didn't know about what we were building. And it turned into Slumberkins kind of taking off with a ton of organic traction in the world of social media. Um, and like just via Etsy in the early days. And we had tapped into some like handmade mom made market within the world of Instagram. And then I think just, so the handmade aspect was a big thing for us in the beginning, Um, but then knowing that the, the tool, the therapeutic tool that Kelly infuses into the storylines was really where the mission lies. Mm -hmm. And so that's where we were like, okay, this isn't sustainable for us to continue a business like this. We need to figure out like, okay, there's actual demand and traction. We need to figure out how to scale a business. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) There's so many things in what you just shared that we could tap into further. And we could probably spend hours talking about even when you were just saying you were on unpaid leave. I mean, that's like a whole topic in and of itself, but this is incredible. So you're on leave, you're creative, you're coming up with this idea, sort of, it sounds like you stumbled into this demand for your products. What happens next? How did you start to grow? And when, cause I have read that you were on shark tank. When yeah. did you go on shark tank and what was that experience like? 
Yeah. Um, so I would say like the traction, just becoming a mom and connecting with other moms, I would say those, you know, the community online of moms connecting with others and supporting each other is so strong. Mm -hmm. And that was really the base of people. Once we got online who helped drive the demand for the product and that were like, this is so cool. And I'm going to share it. And people who are, you know, micro influencers or even bigger influencers were happy to share about their experience with the product without being paid because it was like, a cool product and something new. And so that traction really, really helped us to, you know, drum up more demand and keep, keep going. And yeah, it was in, um, 2017 that we went on shark tank. And it's so funny because it was Kaylee's like Friday night routine that after school, she would go home and watch shark tank. And she kept telling me like, Hey, keep watching shark tank and all these people, like we're doing better than them. We actually have better sales than them. Like we could go on there, Kelly, we could do that. And I was kind of like, I wasn't an avid shark tank watcher. And I was like, okay, Kaylee, okay, (laughs) calm down. And, but once Kaylee puts her mind to something, there's no stopping her. So uh, we found a way to apply and, you know, got into that process. And um, that whole process was so uh, intense and amazing, but it made us think bigger for the brand. So it was really actually a great experience of, cause they start asking you like, what's your three to five year plan for this business? And, you know, we couldn't answer with eyelashes and, uh, house cleaners at that point. So, uh, we Barbara started- may have appreciated that. <laughs> I feel like, um, so we, we thought bigger for the brand. We went on, we prepared as much as we could. It was super stressful. Um, and by that time we both had two more kids. We I mean, each we had, had another, another child. <laughs> so, it was like wait, insane. Pause for a second. <laughs> so you have this growing business. You're working your full-time. Time, no. We were part-time. We both teaching. went down to part-time. part-time we were like, teaching. we just had kids. So we're going down to part-time, but then the other part-time we filled up with slumber. It was like a hundred percent. It was like full-time slumberkins, part-time teaching, which I have a little bit of guilt for that school year. Cause I feel like I was not at my best, but I will say, yeah, we both then had another child before we went on shark tank. I don't even know how we did it. I remember, I remember giving birth to my daughter and then like posting on Instagram, like running slumberkins, social media, like from the hospital, like talk about terrible boundaries. But, um, but I will say it was like also being like pushed because there was such passion and traction. It was like this tidal wave that both of us are so personally passionate about. And we are so intertwined personally with the business that it didn't ever feel like work. It was just really exciting. It was fun. (laughs) But I will say like through the lens of like motherhood, motherhood and shark tank, like we were still breastfeeding when we went on. We I remember pumping. pumping in the trailer on set beforehand. Yep. Like I was like a hormonal sweaty <laughs> mess, like the entire time with nerves and hormones. And my son was three months old. I think when we went on, when we, no, you gave birth in um, March and we went on in September. <laughs> okay. He's a little older. He's still really young. Time doesn't make sense. In my Both brain. of our memories he are short. very little. I think there's normal time. And then there's like time as a parent, just in general, it all becomes a blur, a blur. Yeah. There was a lot that year that we did as working moms. Like 
We would fly to LA for meetings. Like I remember when we were trying to find the right production partner to help scale the business for like overseas production. And we flew to LA. We were meeting with this production partner and Kelly's second son was oh, even more he colicky. Was worse. Everyone was first. like, oh, your second will be easier. So as we're in no. this meeting, my daughter is sleeping in like the car seat stroller thing. And like, she's just sleeping in the, co- in the corner of the conference room. Ollie would not stop crying. So I just put him in the ergo and left the meeting and just like walked around the parking lot and then till he calmed down. And so Kelly had to just like run with the meeting and hope that Cora didn't wake up. And then like, I remember I tried to come back into the meeting and the moment I would step my foot in the building, Ollie would wake up and start screaming. So I'm like, okay, I guess I'm just like, Kelly, Kelly's got this meeting. Like, I don't know what to do, but I'm just going to keep Ollie out of the meeting so she can focus. (laughs) But it's like- How did people react to that? I think like because we were a startup and because we were like, you know, scrappy, uh, you know, entrepreneurs, like people accepted it. I will say I did have like fear and like worry about the more like put together people, you know, like that meeting, like Mm -hmm. it was another woman. So that already like kind of made it a little bit more comfortable, but I think we did cancel a meeting (laughs) after that. We were supposed to go meet with like a bigger, um, company with a male executive. And I was like, no, no, I can't do it. (laughs) I can't, I cannot bring all crying Ollie to that. I'll be like, he won't (laughs) understand. I won't be able to focus. So I think we just kind of, you know, leaned into other women too. I think we worked mm-hmm. with a lot of women and, you know, they appreciated it. And I, I mean, our lawyer is a woman. I remember taking the babies when we met our lawyer for the first time and she loved it. So yeah. we ended up and still do work with a lot of women. And I think in the early days, it was sort of like, cause we knew we wouldn't be judged yeah. <laughs> when we were bringing our little babies. And then I think eventually when the babies started to get mobile, that's when we decided, okay, let's like get a shared nanny. Mm-hmm. So then like the babies can be together and then mm-hmm. let's like hire the same nanny. And we just shared a nanny. So they, she would watch both babies at one of our houses um, each week. But, and like, and then that worked for, that was like to get us through like going to shark tank and coming back. And then, and then the kids started like daycare and preschool later, but it was an intense, like, moment or there were intense moments as a mom trying to scale a startup that like oftentimes until we're talking about it, like right now, I forget about. (laughs) What a unique, I I feel like it's a little bit like how I built this, like this is your, how I built this story, all the juggle and making it work and somehow just putting one foot in front of the other and making the pieces come together. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Yeah. There was a lot of sewing. There was a lot of baby (laughs) babies in the bumpo seats, like while we're sewing and then just like, yeah, then taking them along to meetings and yeah, it's been a wild ride as, as moms. And I will give a huge shout out Kelly's husband. I mean, there's my favorite picture of Kelly's (laughs) husband ever is him sitting on their couch while our first like shipping office or first office was actually Kelly's front, like home office. And like, so we would all, it was me, Kelly and our first employee, Alyssa, who was also pregnant at the time. She had a baby around the same time we did. So we're all on this like same pregnancy motherhood journey. We would go to the home office and work while Colin is sitting on the couch holding two babies while the two toddlers were sitting next to him. So he was like the epitome of a pretty supportive partner along the way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Can you share a little bit more about how you make the juggle work? I think that was a huge, uh, 
you know, learning moment, I think even just becoming a parent and realizing, you know, you, you need your people, you need support, you need to be able to get, um, support all over the place. And especially for us with, um, growing the business, it was extra, you know, like we really needed people to go the extra mile. And so, um, you know, my mom was hugely helpful. Um, my husband, like she said, was always, a huge supporter of both of us. Like I remember also when we were getting ready for shark tank, of course, we're like, Oh, we're going on TV. We have to like, Oh, I was um, like, I need to drop the baby weight. I need to drop it now. (laughs) And so he would like make us lunches and smoothies and like pack up our lunches every day. So that like kept us on a routine and like just the community of people that were supportive of us and like saying, go, you go, I'll take care of the baby. I'll get your lunch ready. You know, like those kind of supports were so important. And I don't think we would have had the capacity to go as far as we have without the people who are really supporting us along the way. And also just even from this short time with both of you, your friendship clearly has been a huge support. How has your friendship really impacted you running the business together? Well, I think Kelly and I are very much a yin and yang. Like she is a genius when it comes to the like content and therapeutic concepts that really can transform a child and like family's life. And then somehow my experience when I was a teacher, I actually taught middle school and high school English in the special ed environment. And like, I had to figure out how to engage really disengaged students. And somehow that translated to engagement on social media and marketing and like understanding how to translate what Kelly's like therapeutic background, like what she brings into something that's really kind of like easy to understand, approachable and digestible. And like, it just works in like what we bring to the business. And then the friendship, it's funny. I remember when we were like first starting down, like the more serious side of the business where we started to take on like actual investors and scale the company and, you know, build a team. And this guy that was trying to, me- was mentoring us a little bit. He goes, Oh, so you guys want to do this? Cause you want to ruin your friendship. And we both were like, what, (laughs) you know, like, why would you say that? And he's like, it was kind of our first like alarm of like, Oh, okay. We need to like focus on like our friendship along with the business, because there are a lot of friendships that are ruined over like business or Mm -hmm. money or whatnot. And so, um, and we've like similarly had instances from like investors, like trying to like put a wedge and like, just trying to figure out by asking like really weird questions, like, okay, well, you two are co-CEOs, but like, which one of you is really in charge? And, you know, just trying to like play some mind games and try to figure out like from a dynamic standpoint. But I feel like Kelly and I both early on when we started to like notice those things happen, ended up just like saying, okay, we have our business relationship and we have our friendship and let's like figure out like how to protect both of those. So we did our diligence around like making sure that you know, in the paperwork, like the co-CEO partnership, there's always like a tiebreaker for if we ever get to a disagreement, but we've never gotten that far because I guess as an emotional wellness brand, we have to stand for relationships and connection and working through things, which it's not always easy. 
No, it's not. <laughs> if you're ever in like a, like, and having a best friend, that's a therapist, like there's no not getting out of the room until you talk <laughs> about it. So I'll give Kelly a lot of the props. Cause it's like, she'll be like, Oh, let's sit down. Let's talk about this. Well, this is like the blessing and curse of like being married to a therapist or somebody who's like gotten kind of far down the road of like, you know, that emotional growth work. Like mm-hmm. a lot of times I can see below the surface of what's going on and things that other people aren't noticing. Um, and of course I'm very tuned in to Kaylee. I'm very tuned into my husband and they are the people who never get off the hook of like, Oh, you're mad about that. Well, are you really mad about that? We're going to have to talk about what's under that. So you don't get off the hook from doing your own emotional growth work, but it's great because I think Kaylee, um, is really wonderful and inspiring to me on how to engage in that, how to be vulnerable, how to show up, um, to a healthy relationship and teaching me along the way too. So I think for us, it's like, you know, if we can, hopefully be models for like authentic, healthy relationships that, um, you know, promote growth between them, right. And share power and aren't in this format that other people were kind of putting on us that, that we can hopefully put that into our products and promote that into the world. And that's really what our goal is. And it's not to say that it's ever easy. Like we have our fights, we have our moments where we're like, I just need space. And like, (laughs) you know, but we always come back and like Mm -hmm. come to a middle ground or conclusion and like problem solve it till we both are at a point where we feel good about it. And if one of us still doesn't feel good, then we continue the conversation. So I think we have outside support. Yeah. We also have, we have the same therapist (laughs) who sees us. If we do need to see her as like a couple, like we go to her as like, it's uh, as like a family system. So, cause we pretty much are more like sisters than best friends. It's amazing. Um, what's next for the business? What do you envision for the future? Oh man. Well, we can both probably answer this, but some of the really exciting stuff behind the brand right now that we're working on is, you know, in the early days of even sewing slumberkins and dreaming up these characters with their different storylines that teach different emotional skills across the spectrum of emotional growth and development. We always knew the power of story and of like characters in like reaching kids. And so um, we're now in a co-production with the Jim Henson company to bring the characters to life in a preschool television series based on the characters and we're co-executive producers on the show, which is so exciting. Kelly's really involved in the writing and scripts from like the therapeutic messages coming through, um, which is just so exciting. So that's like the big exciting stuff behind the scenes that should be like public facing sometime early 2022. We never know like when, when it'll actually debut, but, um, yeah, that's kind of what's next, like evolving into children's content and, and entertainment. Yeah. And I would just add like from the intent and what we really want, you know, like we've always back to the very beginning of like, when we were looking at our own children and seeing the world that they were going into and seeing what was happening in the schools and how parents were feeling and, that this is an anxious world, that there is an overflow of information. And I think we all see now, even with the pandemic, like emotional wellness, mental health is so vitally important. And we, there is a lot of work to be done in helping parents understand how to best address those things in the context of the relation family relationship and their relationship with their children. And um, I think as a brand, there's, there's 
tools out there for social emotional learning and like learning how to take deep breaths and calm down. And that's all wonderful stuff. And um, we also have those kind of things, but we really see ourselves as trying to go deeper um, to the deepest levels of like how you are able to show up as your authentic self in a world that is going to be ever changing and very look very different than the one that we grew up in, right? We all we all want better for our kids and we want them to be prepared for that. So how can we do that at the deepest level? And um, as the brand expands and we go deeper into each character and storyline, there's a whole lot of intent and research and uh, understanding being put into the, the tools that are the products um, so that we can give people a broader experience and more support around, you know, raising a caring, confident and resilient child. So you started with two characters or creatures. How many do you have now? We have 13 currently, 13 collections currently. And they range from, you know, collections that are more proactive that any parent wants for their child around like authenticity, mindfulness, gratitude, um, growth mindset. Um, And then we have more of the, you know, supportive things like a collection around grief and loss, um, a collection for coping with stress and anxiety, a collection for conflict resolution. So different things that parents encounter as well that are looking for those more serious supports. Um, But I think we'll have 15 total collections. We have two new ones debuting this year. And then, and then we'll start kind of going deeper in each collection with more and more storylines around each character, which is really exciting because we see that, you know, some kids love their Bigfoot and like, they just want like 10 Bigfoot stories. (laughs) Um, And so, yeah, for me, I mean, I feel like I'm the epitome of the end user of, you know, a really busy working mom that uses the products with my own kids. And I just love that, it really creates every book is written in a really interactive way that, you know, at the end of every story, there's an affirmation where the parent is saying the affirmation and the child's repeating it back. And those are the moments that really create the magic and make the the product so special um, that like, you know, I can read a storyline in five minutes with my kid before bed and feel like I'm a better parent for doing so when, when using these books. And so I'm just such a big believer in like the power of the change that it can have in kids' lives. And, um, and yeah, it's exciting to just think about the different storylines that can expand through each character. So how have you used these characters and stories in your own lives? Oh my gosh, this is so random that I'm just talking about this today. Literally the first question out of my daughter's mouth to me when she woke up this morning was, mom, am I going to die someday? And I was so thrown off. I'm like, where did that come from? And like, okay, now we need to have a conversation about like death and dying. And so I think a lot of parents are, you know, there's a lot of like, you get caught off guard by kids, you know, it is around that four year, four year old mark, three, four, (laughs) that they, those questions are coming. Uh, So better to like have the tool ready to pull from and feel confident yourself in like how to say these things developmentally appropriate to have an easy Mm go-to than, you know, just being like, ah, and like, (laughs) you know, there's so many things that can, can go wrong or you, you can always repair. So there's nothing that you would ever do that would like, you know, totally throw a wrench in things. But I think, you know, it's, when you become a parent, you start getting into these kids, put you into the situations where 
you're uncomfortable and you don't know what to say and you mm-hmm. wish you knew and uh, totally yeah. thrown off. Cause even as a teacher, I feel like I should be equipped and trained <laughs> to answer questions that like come up like that. But when it's your own kid, you totally are like, Oh, like, okay. Like I don't want to mess up, but I think that's like the, the great thing about having something that's like therapist created that then I'm like, okay, I'm just going to pull this little resource out out of my toolbox that I already have and use this to lean on in this awkward moment. (laughs) It's really interesting to hear you say how you don't want to mess up. I think that's just so universal for parents. Um, I lost my mom when I was in my late 20s and I have pictures of her all around the house and we talk about Grandma Bonnie all the time and my son's three and a half and I am just wait like he has never asked where is she and why is she not here and I have this dread inside of me of I know the question's going to come and what the heck will I say and how will I explain this to him in a way that he's going to be able to understand and not be more confused by what I'm saying as well. So it's, it's so useful to have those tools to be able to like help you feel prepared or say, even in the moment, you know what, I have a good story we should read tonight or something that, that can help. Yeah, definitely. And I think specifically around topics so difficult, like death, right? Like, there's not a lot of times that people are giving us the handbook on like what to say and what, mm-hmm. how, what is the child perspective? Like, what are they asking about? And so just for a quick little tip on that, right? Like um, kids are so curious around three and four and there's the like curiosity portion of that, of like, what, what is death? Right. And so having like facts and like being very straightforward and factual about like, you know, that somebody can die and their body's not here anymore. They're not asleep They're, you know, and then it comes into the, the conversation that is kind of unique to each family. And like, what are your beliefs and values and, and share those with your child and talk to them about what you believe. Um, but like answering sort of speaking to both um, and then sharing your belief system with your child, it's, it's a really special and important moment that often gets triggered by, you know, conversations and questions around people who aren't with us anymore anymore or, you know, come out and left field <laughs> like yeah, Kaylee. Out of nowhere. <laughs> I don't even know where that came from. If you had to rewind the clock, what advice would you give to your pre-mom self? I mean, so my oldest is nine. So I feel like this is a long time ago, but I just remember the stress and anxiety and shame that I had in the first year of his life with like breastfeeding in general, but just in general, not even just fr- breastfeeding, just all of these like expectations that I had for myself as a mom that then I felt like I wasn't meeting. I would just say, okay, like you have to take care of you and like in order take good care of yourself so that you can take good care of others. Because I was the epitome of just like not taking care of myself and getting really burnt out in that first year. I was doing my master's program at the time that I had him and like, it was not even an option in my brain to take any time off, even after I had him. (laughs) And like, I would go back and be like, you can relax and enjoy this time with your baby, (laughs) I guess for me. I would say, I feel like I got this advice, but it just like, doesn't stick until, (laughs) until you actually go through it is, you know, that you can have lots of ideas about who you're going to be, all the information you've learned, all the prepping that you've done. Um, but you know, it might go all out the window 
right when you have them. And the most important thing is to stay tuned in to your child and to yourself. Um, and the, these moments, these days feel very, very long and very, very hard, but also beautiful at the same time. And just, you know, try to hang in there through, through the early years because, um, they are intense. Yeah. Um, I don't, I think I, I mostly heard the joy and beauty stories that everybody loves to share. And of course I had that too, but I felt a little bit like, what the heck? (laughs) Nobody told me how hard this actually is. And that it's not only like my child, but it's also myself. Like I ended up having my own like identity crisis of like shifting from being a therapist to now I'm a mom. And like, it's just, it's a really surreal experience, like having a child and then going home with it and being like, this is it now I'm a mom. (laughs) I'm in Uh, charge. Mm -hmm. And it's scary. And I would add giving yourself some grace to like, not be ashamed to ask for help. Yeah. I'm like speaking to the village that we have around us. Don't be afraid to say I need help. And I know it's Mm -hmm. unique in the world of a pandemic and COVID, but there's always some way to receive some sort of help or even just like saying, tell, expressing that you're not doing well, if you're not doing well to a friend to even just have some like friend time to help you fill back up. Um, so that if it's just you on an Island, you at least are doing something for self-care for yourself. Mm-hmm. I so appreciate you being really honest about the joy and the, the challenges how did you overcome those challenges in those like really intense early days? Not just asking for our listeners, but I have a three and a half year old and an 11 month old. So everyone I talk to, they're like, oh, you're in the thick of it. And I you think, are, you yes, are. I am, but like, help me, tell me something that, a that friend. helped get you through. We had a friend refer to those years as the dark years because no one remembers anything from those years, which is so true. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Well, and it's wild when you have your second, like I thought, okay, I've, I, I've done this. Like oh, I yeah. know a little bit more and literally I don't know what happened. It all, it all flew away. I, yeah. I don't remember anything. Mm-hmm. Yep. I just like, can just fully relate and empathize with that feeling. And, you know, uh, it's one of those things where connecting with people and being real about how you're feeling and like admitting it and like, let it not letting that like shame or anything keep you from saying how you're really doing and not letting admitting that mean anything other than being true to who you are and your experience, it doesn't mean that you don't love your child. It doesn't mean that there's not joy, but the reality is this is the hardest moment probably in your parenting journey. And it's intense. And depending on your own personal makeup, I don't know, for me, it was so, so, so triggering and so difficult that it, um, yeah. Like reaching out, admitting that talking to people, reaching out for help, um, was really important for me. Yeah. I would say just admitting it and accepting that like, there are going to be moments that suck. Like there are moments where I go home 
And I'm like, the last thing I want to do is like make dinner and like hang out with my kids. I literally <laughs> want to go home and close my door, lock it and binge something on TV. But like, you can't do that when you're a mom sometimes. <laughs> so it's just like, I think acknowledging for your own self of like, this doesn't feel very good right now. Like, what are some little things that I can do to like make the parenting journey a little bit easier? Hence why I lean on slumberkins <laughs> to really create these like the moments of connection that like I feel at times I get home and I'm so tired and I'm like, I literally can't imagine getting down on the floor and like playing with my children right now. Like I can't, I'm just, I cannot, but what I can do is redo a five minute, really meaningful story and feel so much better about myself as a mom. But, but I just think like even admitting that and just doing little things that like, that you can lean on that, that kind of like keep you grounded and connected to your children, I think is like my best advice. Cause I'm living that I'm, mm-hmm. that is like me right now in the struggle too. Well, thank you both for being on work like a mother. It's been absolutely incredible being able to chat with both of you. Oh, thank you for having us. Yes, thank you. It was really great. Work Like a Mother is produced by Neighbor Schools. Neighbor Schools is a startup in Boston that I co-founded in 2018 to help parents find daycare. As a first-time parent, finding childcare can feel scary and intimidating. At Neighbor Schools, we help you find daycare you'll feel really good about so you can go back to work with the peace of mind that your little one is getting the socialization, support, and stimulation they need to learn and grow. We've helped thousands of moms and dads figure out the daycare search. Check us out at neighborschools.com. And when you get in touch, mention that you discovered us on the podcast. Thanks for joining me today. We'll see you next time. Mm